When listening to this passage, some of us might be wondering, what is a winnowing fan? I mean, we hear about it at the last part of our gospel. A winnowing fan is similar to a pitchfork or kind of like a shovel with a fork end to it. The purpose of it is to pick up the hay and toss it up into the air. The good wheat, the heavier part, would fall back down to the ground. But the chaff, the stuff that's not useful or good, would be caught by the wind and brought further away. So the use of the winnowing fan is for the sake of a separation of these different things. And then what is good? The wheat gathered into the barn. But the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. And that may sound strange because, like, whoever is using this winnowing fan, um, if he had a fire to burn the chaff, like, it would be quenchable. It could be put out. I mean, you wouldn't want a wildfire. You wouldn't want to just burn endlessly, right? So John the Baptist is using this as an analogy. He's using it as an analogy for judgment, heaven, and hell. Judgment would be the separation, the good from the bad. Heaven is the wheat that's gathered into the barn, the barn being the place where we are kept close to God. But the unquenchable fire where the chaff goes, that represents hell. The place where those who were unfaithful, those who did not wish to follow God, those who were unrepentant, would end up. And we heard earlier, who warned you from the coming wrath? The coming wrath. During this Advent season, Advent meaning to come, we are awaiting the coming of the Lord. Coming of the Lord, first and initially, is in the Incarnation, which we celebrate at Christmas. And that initiated the kingdom of heaven, the beginning of the reign of our Lord. And he comes initially as the God of mercy, the God of love, and he truly is. And this is the time of mercy. This is the time to seek out our Lord and seek out forgiveness and reconciliation. But those who refuse his mercy, those who are unrepentant, then at the second coming of Christ, he's going to come in glory, but he's also coming with justice, such that those who refused his mercy, that would, all, that would be the only thing left for them, is the justice of God. And so we have this preparation for coming. And John the Baptist in our gospel, gospel passage is telling us what we should do in order to be ready for the coming of the Lord. He says to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. In Hebrew, the word for repent means to turn around, to change direction. And so for those who are going astray, for those who are sinning, they are called to turn back to the Lord. They're called to be reconciled to God. John the Baptist is like Elijah, proclaiming the coming of the Lord, which the people of Israel were anticipating. And so his use of the desert and the Jordan River recall the past, the previous prophets, and the prophecy of the prophet who clears the way for the Lord, as we heard in Isaiah. And so, John the Baptist, going out into the desert and using the Jordan River to baptize, 
lets the people know that the promised Messiah is coming. He is near, and he will be here soon. And it will be his kingdom that will be initiated. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sometimes when we hear that term kingdom of heaven, we think, oh, well, that's just like being in heaven with God, apart from the earth, separate and different. But really, the kingdom of heaven starts here on earth. For those of us who welcome the Lord into our hearts, for those of us who desire to be united with him, he comes to us with grace. He comes to us through the sacraments. And if we choose to have him as our king, our Lord, our savior, if we choose him, then he reigns within our hearts. He reigns over our lives. But not everybody chooses to follow the Lord. In fact, in our gospel passage, we have two groups of people that John the Baptist confronts. While many people were coming to him for his baptism of repentance in preparation for the coming Messiah, we hear about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who came. But it doesn't say that they were baptized. It doesn't say that they were acknowledging their sins like everyone else who came. Instead, it just simply says it came to his baptism. And John the Baptist is not convinced that they're repentant. As we heard him say, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. So he's saying, if you really are repentant, if you really are sorry, then you have to show that. Show that you are sorry. Show that you're repentant. Show that you are turning around, changing direction, and desiring to live in accordance with the Lord's commands in relationship with our God. And what would be these signs of repentance, this good fruit that he says that they should be producing? should be the fruit of virtue, of growth in excellence in our humanity, but also in the virtues that God has given us, faith, hope, and love. It should be seen in the works of mercy, whether they be corporal works of mercy, caring for the bodies of our brothers and sisters, or spiritual works of mercy, caring for the souls of our brothers and sisters. That there should be good fruit as evidence of their repentance, evidence that they've turned around, they've changed their lives, and they're loving and following the Lord as he calls them. And John the Baptist anticipates what their response might be. He says, Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. What he means is, sometimes the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and other Jewish people would say, well, we're biological descendants of Abraham, so we're going to be spared of the judgment. So it doesn't really matter what we do, we're just, we'll be fine. And so he says, do not presume. So they have the sin of presumption. They're presuming God's mercy and using that as an excuse to allow themselves not to follow the Lord as he calls them. And we, too, need to be careful not to be presumptuous. Not everybody makes it to heaven. Only those who are in relationship with the Lord, only those who are living a life of faith, only those who have repented of their sins and seek out his love and mercy, those who stay in relationship with the Lord will be gathered into his barn, will enter into heaven. We can't be presumptuous, but we must live a life of holiness, a life of love and charity. 
John the Baptist goes on to say, Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear fruit, good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Previous prophets have used the, this concept of trees as a method of referring to foreigners, to their invaders, to their enemies. And they would talk about how God's going to chop down these trees, how God's going to punish those who were sinful, those who have afflicted his chosen people. And yet now John the Baptist is flipping that image and using it for the Jewish leaders. He's using it for the Pharisees and the Sadducees who refuse to repent, who refuse to follow the Lord, who refuse to change their lives, but cling instead to their sins. That's not to say every Pharisee and Sadducee was like that, but the ones who came to John the Baptist, that's the way that they were. They came more out of curiosity rather than repentance more out of criticism rather than a desire to be ready for the coming Messiah. And so we need to consider for ourselves, how are, how are we being prepared? How are we getting ready? In what ways are we uh, getting ready for the coming of the Lord, whether it be the celebration of his first coming, the incarnation, being um, his celebration at Christmas, or whether we're talking about the second coming of Christ at the end of time, how are we preparing ourselves? And we might think, well, you know, the early Christians, they thought that the end of time would happen, like, really quick. And it's now 2,000 years later. So what does that mean? We don't know the exact time and date of when Jesus will come again in glory. It might be another 2,000 years. It might be tomorrow. We don't really know. So our Lord is calling us to be perpetually ready. But even if we don't reach that point, even if the second coming of Christ is a long way off, we know that at some point we will meet the Lord at the end of our own personal lives. And so we have that concept again of death. Most likely we will die, except those who may be still here at the second coming of Christ, whenever that may be. When that happens, we'll meet the Lord. Are we ready for that? Are we prepared? If it happened today, would we be confident that we would likely be with God forever in heaven as our ultimate destination? We have these four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. When we think about judgment, we're talking about two different judgments, one at the end of our own personal lives and one at the end of time. The end of our own lives where our souls have been separated from our bodies at death, our souls would be given uh, the reward or the punishment that it deserves based upon how we lived our lives. Whether we accepted that invitation of God's loving mercy and repentance, or whether we refused it. Jesus will judge according to our own choices and how we've loved others. And so nobody really is sent by God to hell in one sense. Rather, they choose it for themselves by how they live their lives. But at the end of time, there's another judgment, the general judgment, where everybody gets their bodies back. As we say in the creed, we believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so for those who lived a good and holy life and whose souls are already in heaven, their bodies will join them in the joys and bliss of being in the presence of the Lord. And those who refused God's love and mercy and did not repent of their sins, their bodies will be reunited with their souls and their bodies will also 
participate in the torment that they will endure for all eternity. And so, at the end of time, we will know where everybody ended up, and God's plan throughout all of salvation history will be revealed to all, so that all may know God's loving mercy and providence, and we would see his justice to those who refused his mercy. So are we ready? Are we ready for these four last things? Are we ready for the coming of Christ? Are we prepared? This Advent season, we are called to prepare ourselves with repentance. So for those who have committed serious sins, to go to confession. Uh, But also with good works, good fruit to show the sincerity of our repentance. Corporal works of mercy, spiritual works of mercy, generosity, virtues. Let us consider now, in this next moment of silence, how we are going to better prepare ourselves as we continue this celebration of the Most Holy Eucharist.